This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 76. And the quote of the day is from Tony Robbins who said, I challenge you to make your life a masterpiece. I challenge you to join the ranks of those people who live what they teach and who walk their talk. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And it's been about a week since I put out a podcast, and there was some scheduling conflicts that came up. And they do come up from time to time, and uh, which leads me to not be able to do an interview or put out an interview when I want to. But rest assured, there will be no more weeks without, uh, without a podcast. That I promise you. And check this out. If you want to learn what you need to market yourself as a musician in the modern world, And brand yourself as a professional, yielding more exposure, more followers, and more gigs. Do yourself a favor and check out my free webinar, Marketing for the Modern Musician. And you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash register and learn all about that. And it's 100% free to sign up and check that out. And it's about about an hour long of uh, online training, so you should definitely check that out. The interview that I have for today is Stanton Moore, the amazing Stanton Moore, and... This interview is great. He talks about staying motivated and practicing and the whole creative process. And I, I love Stan because he's so humble and he's so approachable. I met him about seven or eight years ago on the street in, in New Orleans and uh, became friends since then. And he's been more than willing to share all of his knowledge and, and uh, all of his expertise with me and is very humble and down to earth and an amazing player and an amazing person as well. So without further ado, I'm going to quit talking and we're going to get into this interview. Check it out, Mr. Stanton Moore. Stanton, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad we could work it out. We've this- both been had some hectic schedules in the last uh, couple of weeks, but we're finally getting to sit down and talk. So busy, busy is good. And this is uh we're going to call this version two of the interview. <laughs> sure. So for the cats out there that don't know, uh, Stanton was nice enough to have me backstage in Philly. And we talked for about an hour and a half and had a great conversation. And we recorded three seconds of the whole interview, which sucked. So I thought, I thought Stanton was going to kill me after the interview, but, uh, but he agreed to do another interview. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. I know you're a very busy dude, so I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no, it's cool. And, it, you know, in, I mean, I guess that was almost a year ago. So in that time, there have been some things developing that are good to talk about now. So it's good that we're getting to talk again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So normally I like to get the backstory on, on the people that are on the show. And I know that, uh, there's a lot of information already out there on online for you, but if you can just give me a quick backstory of, you know, just an abridged version of, of your story coming up through New Orleans, because I really want to get into some, uh, some different content with you about what you're doing and uh, some different approaches and things like that. Yeah. I mean, just really briefly <clears throat> for me, I was really impacted by the drums at an early age because my mom would bring me to Mardi Gras parades. And so I knew by you know, the age of three, four, and five, that the drums were massively powerful to me. And and I knew by the age of, you know, five or six um, that I wanted to play drums. And I started hitting on stuff. But I didn't really 
start getting a, a drummer or anything until I was nine or something. But by that point, I knew I wanted to be a drummer. So I followed the, the necessary paths to become as good as I could. So I went to the high school uh, in town that had the best drum line, Brother Martin with Marty Hurley. So I started with Marty Hurley, then realized I needed to loosen that up. So I started with, uh, studied with Johnny Vodakovich. And, of course, checking out the meters and, uh, you know, all the New Orleans stuff all the way long. And I realized through that process, I really wanted to focus on the New Orleans stuff and be, being from New Orleans and take it to the take it to the world. So that's basically what I'm doing. Taking the New Orleans stuff everywhere I can. I like it. Johnny Vidal. But, you know, I, go ahead. I mean, but, you know, people people think of me in that way, but I love, I love all types of music. So I always thought that the New Orleans stuff, I'd be able to... If I could understand that, because it's it to me, it's the deepest uh, form of you know drumming. It's where everything comes from for the drum set, anyway. You know, of course, right. there's all kinds of other styles, uh, you know, Afro-Cuban and, and Brazilian and all these things. But for drum set, I mean, it really did start in New Orleans. So it's uh, for me, I love absorbing that, and I always felt that it would make me a better musician, better drummer in every style that I wanted to do. So. You know, it's not the only style I do. It's just it's home base for me. <laughs> right, right, right. And everything's sort of based in that in that New Orleans feel. And and it's funny you mentioned Johnny Vodakovich, and I interviewed him uh, maybe a month or two ago, and he yeah. was saying that you were like. He was like, man, he used to just show up at my house when it wasn't his lesson day and be like, and I'd be like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I got to show you all this, all this shit that I just worked out that you show. And he was like, man, you're supposed to be here next week, not this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Johnny and I, you know, we've become really good friends. I mean, he's my, that's my guy. You know, he, he really, cause he opened up a whole thing for me. Like I had all this rudimental training and, and I, it was hard for me to connect the dots. And then he, his drumming is so lyrical and musical and, and, and just organic. So he showed me that he was using, a lot of what he was doing were all based out of very simple ideas, you know, like combinations of right, right, left, and right, left. So, you know, he would show me these, I would ask him, well, what was that you were doing? What was, you know, what was this thing you were doing? And, and a lot of times it was all related in similar things, but the application of it was very um, musical. So I could play, I could physically play these things that he was doing. Then I had to learn how to make them musical. And so he was the first guy to really hit me to the idea of taking one idea and making it into thousands, if not infinite possibilities. So once he opened that up for me, you know, cause I was always creative as a kid, like, drawing and art and and uh and even legos and stuff i always loved creating so once johnny essentially freed me up and realized made me realize like that i it didn't have to be written on a page or it didn't have to be something somebody else already played you could take a simple idea and get super creative with it so he just opened up the floodgates for me and so yeah i would come to his house and sometimes i'd be there for you know three hours or something and then he'd be, at, you know, shooing me out the door. Okay, bro, thanks a lot. And he'd be, and I remember this, and he, he jokes about it now too. He'd be like, "All right, bro, thanks for the lesson," because I, you know, show him all this stuff that I was working on. So, right. um, so it was really amazing that you know, just this past week, a couple of days ago, I I've been in touch with um, with Steve Gad, 
and um, you know, we have some mutual friends and I wanted to uh, talk to him about a drummer, one of my favorite drummers, Idris Muhammad, who just passed mm -hmm. and uh, was great New Orleans drummer that went to New York and Steve had cited him as a as an influence. So I reached out to Steve because I was writing the In Memoriam uh, piece for Modern Drummer. And I reached out to Steve to see if he wanted to talk about Idris. And he got back to me and, and we kept kind of uh, trading phone messages until James Taylor was playing in New Orleans. And I reached out and said, hey, man, I'm planning on coming to the, the show tomorrow. And Steve uh, said, well, hey, man, let, let's meet up for coffee. And uh, so we did. And that was great. And uh, and so we're sitting there at coffee. And, you know, Steve is one of the cat's true masters who is, is completely exemplifies the, um, the possibility of taking, you know, one idea and turning it into infinite possibilities. I mean, like his Steve Gann Mozambique, he's used it, you know, in so many different ways. Uh, in late in the evening where he's playing it with four sticks and mm -hmm. playing it on the rims and the toms and playing it basically with four on the floor. <clears throat> um, and he's done it, you know, with a mambo bass drum pattern on the cowbell. He's done it where he plays the right hand on the snare, the left hand on the hi-hat, and it gets two and four on the, on the, on the four tom. So, <clears throat> You know, he that's just one of his things. He's got all these, like, little gadisms, right? When he sits down at the drums, it's not like he reinvents the wheel every time he sits down. He's got his things that he's that that are signature things that he can put in any possibility, in any possible musical situation. Right. And it's these signature things. So I didn't realize it at the time, hanging with Johnny, but Johnny was showing me that similar concept of... Um, of taking one thing, making it your own and using it in so many different ways. So then, you know, Johnny and Steve, many years later, um, wound up sharing the same gig with Joe Sample. So after Katrina, Joe, uh, Joe met Johnny cause Johnny was in Houston. So Johnny was playing at like a church or something, man. He was just picking up gigs and somebody went to Joe Sample and said, man, you got to hear this drummer from New Orleans. Joe Sample came and heard him and was like, man, I just did a record with, with Steve Gadd. I need somebody to tour it. And uh, it was a lot of brushes and real subtle stuff. And so he got Johnny. So Johnny and Steve were kind of sharing this this gig, you know, right. so they would hear hear stories about each other. So I'm at coffee with Steve and Steve says, man, let's call Johnny on the phone. So I'll call Johnny on the phone and they talk for a while. And then after, you know, later in the day, I call Steve back after we had, you know, uh, gone our different ways, uh, call him back and say, man, you know, I know Johnny would love to come. Because Johnny called me like two hours later and said, man, thank you. That was so cool. I get off the phone with Johnny. I called Steve and I said, man, I know I know Johnny would love to come here to play. Do you think you could get him on the list? So he said, yeah, man, no problem. Uh, so he puts Johnny on the list. So after the gig, I'm, I get to hang out with Steve Gadd and Johnny Vodakovich basically meeting each other in person for the first time. Wow. And they just have this mutual respect for each other, know about each other, but uh, hadn't ever really gotten a hang. So that was really beautiful and like a full circle moment for me because these are two guys that that uh, both have similar approaches in the way that they have their ideas and their signature things. And they, 
they apply them in infinite ways. And now, you know, they, I wouldn't say that they sound alike or that they, um, that they, you know, stylistically are similar, but sure. that, that idea, yeah, that approach of taking, having your signature things and, and they both, they both deal in a lot of right, right, left and right, left, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and this is something that's really, really cool that we could talk about. Cause this is a drum site, right? So Steve Gadd uses this, this sticking right, left, right, right, left, right, right, left. That's one, you know, he uses tons, but right, right. it's right, left, right, right, left, right, right, left. And it's paradiddle left, right, right, left. And it's basically number 33 in George Lawrence Stone's stick control. But mm-hmm. what's fascinating to me is Idris Muhammad came up with that sticking on his, you know, a separate from, from, uh, from Steve. Uh, he came, he came upon it from, from the Mardi Gras Indians. So the Mardi Gras Indians play on the tambourines, ching, 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 boom. So you put that on the hi hat, ching, 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 You fill it in with the left hand, take it, take it, take it, take it, boom. And it is right, left, right, right, left, right, right, left. It's that sticking. So Idris went to New York. What sticking again? Right. Right, left, right, right, left, right, right, left. So Idris, you know, wasn't checking out stick control. He was just playing stuff from the Mardi Gras Indians and filling it in with the left hand. But it's the same. He took that up to New York, and that's the same sticking that Steve wound up using a lot. And not that Steve got it necessarily directly from from uh, Idris, but it is, but he has cited Idris as as an influence. But it's fascinating to me how how much you can get and and how you know, these guys came for, at it from different approaches. Right. So, you know, Steve said he saw, he saw um, Rick Murata playing that, playing that sticking. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve uses it on the, uh, the beat to um, Dirty Old Man. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you know, maybe Rick saw Steve, saw uh, Idris doing that. But, but, um, but, you know, nobody really knows exactly the lineage, but it's fascinating that it is the same sticking and it's coming from, from, uh, you know, from, Idris is coming at it from the, the New Orleans Mardi Gras Indian stuff. And then, of course, Gad's got a lot of uh, rudimental background. So, um, you know, when he gets a hold of a sticking, he can make it very lyrical and very musical. Mm-hmm. But so check this out. So now Johnny's sticking that he that he taught me was right, right, left, right, right, left, right, left. Okay? That's mm-hmm. the, like, I've, 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 you know, anybody who's ever checked out any UI stuff has probably seen me demonstrate that right right left right right left right left right right left right right left right left so right and like following it with the kick on one of the things that you do in the video exactly yeah now check this out if you take johnny's sticking and you think of it as one eanda two eanda right right left right so right right left right right left right left all right bar two four uh two 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 beats worth of 16th notes if you start that right, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, start it on the and of two and loop it back to itself, it is right, left, right, right, left, right, right, left. Right. So so Steve Gedd and, and Johnny Vodakovich, they have a lot uh, – they're both using the same sticking started in a different place. In a different place, like different jump-off points. Yeah, for – you know, not not all their stuff is based on right, that right. at all, but just, just it's interesting to me. How you know you wouldn't think that those two guys had a lot of similarities, but but they do, and and it, it was fascinating to me to hang with both of these cats, and you know I even I posted um, some pics on Facebook if you want to get those and put them up, 
uh, to accompany this this video. You know, I took a little selfie with me and, and Steve. Yeah, yeah I saw it. Yeah, and then and then I later took a pic with uh, with Steve and Johnny V. Well, the and, uh, the funny thing is, you and I were supposed to talk that day. Yeah, and then I saw, and then you were like, "Oh man, I'm sorry, I was hanging with Steve Gad." I'm like, "If you're gonna blow me off for Steve Gad, I'm totally, totally fine with that." Yeah, <laughs> you know that, that, yeah, that day kind of you know <laughs> got away from me because I, 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 you know, I wanted to clear my day because I didn't know what time he was gonna want to hang. So right, and then once I went and hung with him, then just it was one of those days where I was also doing updates on the site, and um, and so I had co- you know calls with the, uh, my my site developer and. And I just it, everything was piling on top of it, of everything else. It was like one one important call interrupted another thing, another email I was trying to get off. It was one of those days. It was right. just insane. Right. But um, and then I had to get myself together to go uh, out to the James Taylor show too and, and go check that out, which was great. And, you know, I mean, it's like it was really really cool, man, uh, to watch him in that context. It just so uh, perfect, you know. Uh, the way he was playing that gig, it was just um, really, really tasteful. Really, everything just felt really great. Everything was right in the right place. Uh, you know, that's a hard room that they were playing in. The the uh, the UNO Lakefront Arena. It's a big cavernous arena that you know they do sports stuff in, and and it was not really a great acoustic situation but they were all not they were all playing not too loud and everybody was playing real tastefully and you know those songs are very delicate it's very it could be very easy to overpower those songs but, sure you know and there were moments where it was like where he got the ball and ran with it and it's so impactful you know when you sit there and we talked about this at, co- at coffee you know it's like, man, the groove could be so much more intense if you just let it simmer and you don't overplay it, you know? And he was definitely doing that on that gig. And then when he got the ball, you know, um, and just did did some extra stuff, it had such an impact, you know? It was like, whoa, it was so cool, man. Right, right, right. You know, he's a master of, of time and space, you know? I mean, he always has been, but even more so now, you know? Just right. so centered and so focused <clears throat> and um just amazing man that you know he could be playing at such a high level for so long it's just such an inspiration you know it's like well shoot man you know i i want to be doing it as long <clears throat> as, as that as well you know it's just it's inspiring to know that you can do something that you love this much for for so long right and, you know and so sitting with him <clears throat> and, and hanging out and talking, it was really inspiring to me because he's got as much enthusiasm for drums and music as as any any kid that I sit with, you know, right. like any 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 of my drum buddies, you know. It was just like sitting with another one of my buddies, you know. Mm-hmm. And he he wanted to know all about the um, the New Orleans guys, like Hurlan Riley and Shannon Powell, and know about like what how they came up and certain things that they do and he was asking me about the tambourine stuff that they do he was you know really interested in that so you know he had enthusiasm that you know he's been doing this for a long time and he still loves it and that was just really inspiring to me you know well that's what i was going to ask you because 
I know that you have no you've no problem, you know, staying motivated and, and, and working hard on anything, but you're human just like everybody else. So I'm sure you get, you know, in ruts and, and things like that. Um, so do you do you always look for for external inspiration, like something like after you meet with Steve Gatter, you're like, man, I can't wait to go home and shed. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I wish I, I wish I had time to shed the last couple of days. I was, you know, getting ready to leave for this run and all that. And then I have my little practice kit under the bus. So I definitely um, I'm planning on getting that out and trying to shed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always inspiring to me. Um you know, hanging out guy, with guys like that. And, you know, it, you speak about getting getting into ruts and stuff, and people ask me about that. And for me, man, it's like, oh, man, you just put on a record, you know. That'll get you out of a rut, you know. Any any anytime you ever feel like you're in a rut or any kind of a rut or anything like that, I'll put on, like, a Coltrane record and, and listen to Elvin and just pick one tune and, like, pick one thing out of it to try to learn, you know, mm-hmm. like... Um, so I've been putting on the ballads record, you know, and listening to his brush playing. And there's so many things in there. It's like, man, just pick one of those little flurries and figure it out. Right, you know? right. It's like, it's like, you can't be in a rut. What are you talking about? It's like, this, <laughs> there's an infinite amount of stuff to check out. You know, I'll put on an Elvin uh, record. I'll, you know, even like some of my contemporaries, like like Brian Blade, right? And right. it's like, you know, put on a, a record with Brian on it. Try to figure out some of what he's doing. Man, I was just listening to some of his stuff with Joshua Redman, and I was like, Yikes. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I love listening to stuff where it's like you can't tell what that is. Like mm-hmm. you don't know, you know, you don't know that it's oh yeah, that's a paradiddle with uh, you know uh, left lead it, um, inverted doubles. That's the right. sticker we'd be talking about. So a lot of times you listen to drummers and you, you're like, oh, I can, I know what that is. But Brian, you know, Brian, Elvin, uh, you know, they, they play stuff where it's these flurries, right? Bill Stewart, and, and you don't know exactly what it. It's like, what is that? You right, know? right. And so when I, you know, I never get into ruts because I'll always put put something like that on, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I always. I don't mean it sound like that. Like I never get in a rut. Um, what I mean is like, I, I, there's always stuff that amazes me that I can't do, you know, that, right. I, that I'm, I'm, I need to figure out. So it's, there's, I don't think that'll ever end, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you, for me, I just put on stuff that, that musically it, I, I need to spend some time figuring it out. And that, that always gets me inspired to be like, all right, time to shit. Right. Know? Right. So, you know, speaking of that, of like being in a rut and being inspired by different things, I've seen you kind of go through this progression of, you know, you were doing, I mean, obviously all the drum set stuff and then, or all the stick working, and then you started getting into this brush thing. And, and I got, I got to watch your creative process happen while we were in Philly last year and you were explaining how you got to certain points with the brushes and things like that. So I guess this is a two part question of one of how do you really develop these these new skills to the point where they become second nature in your playing. And two, how do you suggest that that other people do it? Especially, I think this all ties in with that musical mileage stuff that we were talking about before of taking an idea and, and growing it. So it's really a two part question. Well, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of the notion of practice, slow, learn fast. So with this brush stuff, I mean, I really 
when I decided I was really going to get into it and really tackle it, um, I started checking out the Philly Joe Jones brush book and, and everything else, you know, the Clayton Cameron stuff, the, the, um, Ed Thigpen stuff, the, uh, I was checking all that stuff out. So I basically went through every book and every brush DVD I possibly could. And then, and then in the process of that, found this guy, uh, Florian Alexander Zorn. And Florian is this German guy who ha- has kind of come up with all these different ways to sweep uh, rudiments and all these different things. So I, I, I kind of, for myself, realized that if I could really absorb the Philly Joe stuff and the, the Florian stuff that everything else kind of fell in between mm-hmm. there, if you could understand those two things, <coughs> then everything, then I would be able to understand everything else. So I, I would travel with um, the Remo brush up pad, which is, it's basically a, a fiber skin head with foam underneath and a little black metal rim around mm-hmm. the whole thing. So I would keep that in my bunk on on tour and I would keep one in my suitcase and I would keep a, um, a snare stand in my bunk and I would wake up early on the bus while the bus was still rolling into town and I would practice all this stuff in slow motion like to a, to a metronome. So sometimes the, you know, the choreography of these sweeps and stuff that Florian was doing I would be having to practice this stuff at like 40 BPM, like before I could even, I couldn't even get it to 60 BPM, you know? And some of it, I'm trying to get it up to like 120 or something, (laughs) you know? Um, But I would start at like 40 and like just practice it slow and try not to push it and try to, um, to absorb it and almost practice it in a meditative state. And then, eventually muscle memory starts to take hold. And then if you can master it at the, at these slower tempos, then really bringing it up to speed is, uh, is much more, much more attainable than mm-hmm. if you're just trying to, you know, just trying to, ah, you're just trying to throw at it and you're trying to get it and you don't have it. So I would, you know, so now with, with the, with the Philly Joe Jones stuff, you really need to seek out somebody to show you that stuff because just on paper, it doesn't, you know, there's all this stuff happening up here and, and right. um, that you really need somebody to show you. So luckily for me, I'm business partners with, you know, I think the greatest living brush player today, uh, Jeff Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jeff would invite me over to his house to come drink some wine and talk and just hang out. And, uh, you know, he's got this beautiful, view of the ocean he lives on a on a bluff uh overlooking the ocean and um so we'd sit there and you know and say and we sometimes we'll go and check out his drums uh you know he's got this two-story barn and he's got this corner window that looks over the ocean so i i wind up sitting at his drums and picking out the brushes which is you know huge <laughs> huge takes you know a a huge set of balls to, right. uh, to, to sit down and play brushes in front of Jeff Hamilton. But I knew that he wasn't going to sit down and play brushes for me. Right. So I sit down and I'm like, hey, man, check out what I've been working on with the brushes. And he's sitting there holding his glass of wine and sitting on one arm of his armchair and looking at me with this grin <laughs> on his face. And he's like, uh-huh, all right. He's like, well, 
It's like, well, you need to do this. You need to get more of a snap in the left hand and you need to get more of a lift in the right hand and all this kind of stuff. So I take the brushes, turn them around and say, show me. Yeah. And, and you're goes, like, oh, my plan is coming together. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, it's going to be like that. huh? I'm like, oh, it's going to be exactly like that. <laughs> so he shows me all this stuff, you know, and, um, and so just in, you know, the short amount of time that we've been able to hang and have him show me that stuff and then watching him and it really helped me. And then there's also a guy named Mel Brown from, uh, who lives in Portland and I get with Mel all the time uh, when I can, too. And Mel has really helped show me a lot of the Philly Joe. He studied with Philly Joe and Papa Joe. So mm. I'll go watch Mel whenever I'm in Portland. I'll go watch him. And he'll let me sit at the drums after the gig and, and show him what I've been working on. And he gives me pointers, too. Right. And um, <clears throat> after going to see him about three times, one time he brought his floor tom over to my dinner table and worked with me on the, the Philly Joe palm up, which is really kind of like, um, if you can understand that, it's going to help you understand a lot of the other motions. So, you know, in my meetings up with Mel and, and, and Jeff, both who have studied with Philly Joe, that's been greatly uh, beneficial. And then, too, Mel's got some videos on YouTube where he demonstrates um, the Philly Joe stuff. So mm-hmm. even though watching that, you know, and really working with that and then getting to Mel, you know, he still has um, things that, that pointers he can give me that helped helped me greatly, even though I thought I was getting it, you know, watching. Mm-hmm. So, so getting with people and having them work with you um, is beneficial. You know, just a few years ago, I, I just decided – I got to a point where I was like, man, I wish I had spent more time learning more uh, transcriptions, like more elephant transcriptions and, you know, more brush stuff. And I, I just said to myself, I said, well, why can't I? Like, why can't I just still have the attitude that I had when I was 19 years old of, right. you know, show me that, show me that. Why can't I just be a, a, an eternal student? So that's been a huge kick for me to just kind of, put myself almost back in school and just have no fear about asking people to show me stuff and be like, man, you got to teach me that, you know? And then it's interesting that I, you know, take that attitude and now hang in with guys like, like Steve, Steve Gadd, but also Steve Smith, we get together and share ideas when we can. And, um, you know, both those guys are just eternal students, you know? And Steve, Steve Smith is, known for you know tackling huge learning projects like you know the indian stuff that takes a lot of a lot of uh uh focus and 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 dedication to get that stuff and you know steve is a great brush player too you know and so he he's always working on new stuff always shedding you know he tries to he told me once he tries to shed three hours a day still at this point you know which for me i've I find it a challenge to try to find that time. Mm-hmm. But when I can get the three hours, I love it. So I try to shed every day, but sometimes, you know, you're traveling and you can't always do it. But I'm like, well, shoot, man, if Steve can find three hours a day, that's like, you know, <laughs> right. that's what I'm, I'm trying to find mm-hmm. is that amount of time. But it's inspiring that these guys who are at that level, you know, are still – still uh trying to learn and you know with gad he's like man i want to i want to come down to new orleans and hang with you guys and learn some stuff you know i'm like man 
And if, if those guys can have that attitude, then everybody should have that attitude. I totally know? agree. I totally so, agree. So, yeah. So for me, tackling all that stuff, I was like, well, this is going to be a huge undertaking to learn all this stuff. And it was, and it still is, you know, but I'm loving it and I'm, I'm digging it. And it's, it's, it's been really, really fun for me. And then it's a thing where you just gradually start getting to the point of where you feel comfortable with it. And I found what was cool was that I started like for my piano trio, I started doing all my rehearsals with brushes and that, that's how I started getting more uh, comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I would do rehearsals with, um, with singer songwriters and stuff with brushes. Right. So you, especially trying to do it, not playing them like sticks, trying to do everything with sweeps. So you get to a point where, Oh, this song's in three. Well, wait a minute. I definitely, it's second nature to play it with sticks, but I definitely got to come up with something and figure out some choreography. So once you start doing that, then you start getting way more comfortable with everything. And then you can start bringing it out on the gig, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I started playing, picking up the brushes in the middle of solos with Galactic and stuff. And then just the more time you spend with the brushes in your hand, the, the, the more comfortable you get with them, you know? But it's not like I shed for a couple of days and then went out on a gig. It's, it's not right. that simple. Right, right. That's <laughs> what a lot of people do. You know, it's not. Yeah. But for me, it's like to really make it musical. No, I mean, and not in a good way. These cats are like, oh, yeah, I I learned the pattern real quick. Let me go out and play it on the gig. Yeah. No, it's like if I'm going to learn something, I want to make it uh, internalize it and also make make it my own my own approach on it, you know, my own angle on it. So I want to really have my own voice with it, which is that's a big undertaking with something like brushes, you know. But so what I've done is learned how to take the Florian sweeps and apply them to all these stickings that I've been using over the years, uh, stickings that I've developed from the, the initial stuff that I learned from Johnny V and, right. you know, now, it's, so now it's like just the other day I took the, you know, the Steve Gad Mozambique and learned how to do it all with sweeps. Oh, you know? really? Oh, bro. So cool. It's so hip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, st- I'm st- of course, still learning. It never ends. You know? Right, right, right. So how do you how do you manage all of this stuff? So you're like, OK, I wanna, I'm learning new tunes. I'm going to learn new styles. I want to shed. You have multiple balls in the air with bands and touring and businesses and all that stuff. And I know a lot of people out there are thinking, man, I got. I'm trying to get better or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to practice, but I want to keep my business, my music business chops up as well. And, and this and that, what advice do you have for people that are, that are trying to juggle all this stuff? Because everything that you do, you do well, and you don't typically half-ass anything. So, so how do you do it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all gradual. It's all a gradual progression and it's just every day, I try to stay on top of, that's why I get stressed out when I get a few days behind on email, you know, like if I'm traveling somewhere and I can't, if I'm on a plane for, you know, a long, you know, sometimes these plane flights are like 12 hours a day or so that by the time you get to where you're going and you're wiped out and you sleep and then you wake up, you're like three, four days behind on email, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, and that stresses me out because to me, the way to stay on top of all this stuff is to, you know, return the phone calls, return the emails, return, just follow through, you know? 
there's there's no there's no like big giant things that happen like bam okay that's you know it's it's all this little gradual stuff you know right you know an email here a phone call there and it's all just gradual gradual progression and so when you don't do that then then i feel like oh you know things are slipping uh i'm not being on top of stuff as much as i'd like to so that that's when I get a little bit stressed is when I start falling behind on all that. So really it's as simple as just following through uh, by answering the emails, answering the calls. And then, you know, every day you have opportunities to make, to meet people. You know? I mean, I'll be at a gig and I'll meet somebody and I'll say, Hey man, you know, I, I work with this company and uh, you know, we, we, um, we do this and, you know, I would like to work with you in some kind of capacity. Well, great. Get that person's card and then email them, you right. know, email right. them. And a lot of times I'm doing this stuff like after the gig, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get in my pajamas and, and, uh, and sit on the bus and, and email, you know, and sometimes you're me, you know, and sometimes, you know, I, I say all this, but sometimes I'll like come across somebody's card and I'll be like, Oh man, I didn't email this guy. I should have emailed him like a month ago. And right. then you reach out and you're like, man, I, my apologies. I should have reached out. And they're usually cool about it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like you need to, you need to follow up the, you know, that the next day. day or, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people are very understanding about, especially about, you know, traveling musicians, but if your heart is in it and you have good intentions, uh, and you, you know, you do mean to, to follow up, you know, it, as long as you follow up, you know, it doesn't, it's not, I'm not, I'm, it's not like I'm on top of this stuff, um, you know, and get back to people immediately, uh, all the time. Cause I do, I have, I do have a lot of balls in the air, but, right. but I do make a point to try to get back to people, uh, to get back to them. You know, it's right, not right. always immediately. It's not always right away, but I do try to follow up. And that's just, that's the key, you know. And a lot of times, man, it's like it's as simple as this. It's like I, and this is this is the same stuff I've been hold on. I got somebody's radio screaming. Here. <laughs> I was wondering what that um, was. Yeah. So let me turn this. All right. I just figured out how to turn it down. Um, so yeah, I'm backstage, and, and you know, uh, one of the one of our crew left the radio back here, but um. So, you know, it's as simple as, as a teenager, I would go out every night and hear, uh, hear music every night. Like in New Orleans, you know, fortunately at the, at the age of 17, 18, a lot of these dive, uh, blues bars that I was going to like Benny's and, uh, the Maple Leaf and stuff. Uh, well, the Maple Leaf actually wouldn't let me in, but they had a, the drums, the drummer's back was usually to this glass window, this glass door. So I'd be able to go there and watch the drummer from outside. But Benny's, man, I would go to Benny's and they wouldn't card you. Um, and so I, as a senior in high school, like 17 years old and stuff, I would go to Benny's <clears throat> as often as I could and and sit in. And luckily my parents were cool with this because they knew how important it was to me. So I'd be going there and sometimes, man, I'd, you know, I'd be the the you know the youngest, whitest kid in, right. in the whole place, <laughs> only kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be waiting till that to close to the end of the gig so I could sit in, and then 
So you sit in and then the cats are like, well, man, you're starting to sound pretty good, you know? And then, then eventually the drummer can't make the gig because he's got to go out of town with somebody else. So then it's, well, what are you doing? You know, um, next week, can you do the gig? So before you know it, you start getting the call to do, to sub. And then before you know it, they start another project and then they ask you to, to do it. You know, I mean, just recently, you know, I, I'll go hear Herlin Riley and Shannon Powell anytime I can. And so I'll go hear Herlin uh, with the Delphio Marcellus Big Band, uh, the Uptown Jazz Orchestra. And Herlin gets me to sit in. And uh, this is about, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something. And then, uh, and then literally that night, the trombone player who hires the band says, man, Herlin can't make it next week. You want to do the gig? I'm like, hell yeah. So now... <laughs> Now I play with them a bunch, you know, I wind up doing the big band gig and it's cool. I dig it because it, you know, Herlin told me, he's like, man, I like doing this gig because it, it keeps my reading up, keeps my big band chops together. It's cool. Right. So, you know, I've been really digging it, man. It's really cool getting to play big band and, um, and trying to get better at it, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So things that I've done is like these charts that they, they play. I'll, um, I'll sit down and, listen to the uh to the recordings and make my own charts like make my own one page chart so that i'm not flipping on and then by doing that you learn the music better and then you're not flipping you know seven pages sometimes uh, while trying to play this this thing so by doing all that i've been getting better and better and the guys are like wow man you know you really sounded good on on this stuff now and nice so, you know, any situation that I get in, I try to do it to the best of my ability and and get better at it. And so, you know, my point is it's not like it's not like, okay, now today I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on big band. Sure. You know? Sure. It's like it's gradual. You know, what? it started off with me sitting in and then I get one gig and then I get another one. And then it's like, well, if I'm gonna get keep getting called, I gotta do this really well. Right. So now I've got I've got my own folder that I bring to the gig with my, my charts that I've written out, you know? And um, and c- because different drummers do the gig, sometimes you can't even find the chart in the book, right, you know? Right, right, right. But so now I've got, oh, yeah, I got that, you know? Yep. And, and, and then they're like, damn, man, you know, that sounded really good. It's like, well, you know, I mean, the lead trumpet player one night asked me after the gig, he's like, man, it's like... D- have you been working on this stuff or, or did you just have a really good night? I was like, <laughs> well, kind of both, both you know? right. <laughs> but, but you know, it's like any gig that you get, man, it's, there's ways to, to, to do it better, you know, mm-hmm. and listening to the music and writing out your own, you know, cheat sheets or charts or whatever, whether you use the charts or not, that, that's that process. Um, you know, so some gigs they don't want you reading charts on the on the gig. But well, sure, yeah. if you if you write it write it out, you know, that that whole process of intensely listening and you know counting out the bars and writing out the the, the um you know the forms and 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 the, the key spots and and you know just by doing that that helps you remember where right. oh yeah so so it's a great that's a great process and so you know it's just my point is man it's just getting out there. And, 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 you know, even going to hear something can turn into a gig. You know? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think Harlem was going to call me up to sit in, you know? Well, but, 
It, the funny thing that you mentioned that about the, the gradual process and the following up. So I, I don't even know when I met you, like eight years ago or something. I met you were like walking through a park in New Orleans and I'm like, holy shit, Stanton Moore, say what's up to you. I send you an email and like, hey, man, nice meeting you, whatever. And, you know, we've emailed back and forth for for years now and, and uh, come to hang out with you in in Westchester. You're playing with your trio. I meet Will Bernard. I moved to New York. I talked to Will Bernard. And end up going to his house for a picnic, and six four months ago he called me for a gig. Yeah, and that's there you like go. that's like an eight year process, right? You know what I mean? Right. Right. But it's like if you do that a thousand times with a thousand different people, it's the right. gradual process, and that's how things like that come to fruition. You know, exactly. and like when I met you, I wasn't like, hmm, maybe eight years from now a guitar player that he plays with is going to call me for a gig. Right. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. But you just got to follow through on everything and you never know what's going to lead to what, but you got to follow up on everything. And then, you know, it's just gradual. Mm -hmm. Everything's gradual and one thing leads to the next. Right. So now we're talking about this, this lineage of, of success. So let's get dark a little bit. Let's talk about some, some failures that you have or some things that you've had to overcome and and what's your advice for overcoming some failures? Yeah, I mean, you just got to take it in stride, you know. I mean, luckily, I can't really think of too many. Um, but, you know, there have been times when, you know, cats have decided to use somebody else or, or you know, or go in a different direction. And that, you know, that can that can hurt your feelings a little bit, you know. But it's, it's like, well, you know, then you just got to concentrate on the things that are positive, right? So right. it's like, well, I got all this other stuff going on, so... So, you know, you can't, you can't let it affect you. And you kind of have to have tunnel vision on what you want to accomplish and where you want to be. And the things that don't work out that way, you just have to let them fall by the wayside. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Hamilton talks about, you know, visualizing uh, who you want to play with and what gigs you want to have and where you want to be. And, and that, I think that, you know, that's, that's very eloquently put, you know, and that's, I think what I've done forever. Like when I was a kid, you know, my mom asked me, you know, well, where, where do you want to go with this? What do you want to do? With this? And I was like, I want to play with every member of the meters. I want to play with, you know, and, and now I'm doing that. Right. You know? Right. And uh, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I just went to, I just went to Japan with uh, Leo Nocentelli. He's got this thing he calls the icons of funk. So Leonis Intelli's a guitar player for the Meters, mm-hmm. and and then you got Fred Wesley, trombone player for nice. James Brown and, and P Funk, uh, and then Bernie Worrell, you know, played keys with P Funk and um, and and the Talking Heads, and you know, countless other things. And so I'm on stage with these guys, you know, and it's like, man, it's, I mean, it, they do signings every night where you know the people come. And they bring their their records that they want to have these guys sign, and that they, they bring stacks of records. And so they'll have like a stack of you know Meters records for Leo to sign, James Brown records for Fred to sign, and P Funk records for Fred and Bernie to sign. So it's you know the Meters, James Brown, and P Funk. It's like that's, that's you know my favorite records, <laughs> right? You right. know, as a kid, and these guys are on them. And not only are they on them. But, you know, they also wrote a lot of the stuff. You sure, know? sure. So, so it's, you know, it's, it, you have to visualize what you want to be doing, you know, like where you want to be, and then eventually you'll get there. 
but you know you can't focus too much on on when things don't go your way just be like well that didn't work out so great but i'm going to japan with with leaving us to tell you fred wesley and bernie warrell uh next next month so let me focus on that right you know? right right it's not that bad <laughs> right yeah so nice so speaking of of you having your your many irons in the fire and having a bunch of different stuff going on uh you have uh so you've already done one of your Spirit of New Orleans camp, or you've done two of them actually. Now these these drum camps, and you got another one coming up, and you have a new record called Conversations, and you also are getting ready to launch an online school. So let's dive into those, and whichever one you want to talk about first, uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, well, the the online drum academy is something that's been in the back of my mind for a long time. And of, of course, you know, there are guys who are doing it really well now with uh, Mike Johnson being one of the front runners and uh, a few other guys are all starting to do this. And it seems like a great workable model. And, you know, I had originally thought a while ago, I would try to do something like a, like a monthly newsletter or something that had content in it. And, but you know, that that's just what I was thinking when I was originally trying to think of how do I reach people with this, you know? And mm-hmm. so now, you know, the workable model seems to be doing this, this subscription type site. So, you know, I've got almost three books in the can and instead of writing the books out and then doing DVDs to follow those up, I've decided to basically self-publish and put it out through this subscription site. So I've got, I'm planning on putting out two new, two new lessons a month and then but what's going to be really cool is you know so some of the material will be like how i develop my buzz rolls how i do the blush the brush stuff um different stickings different uh a lot of rudimental stuff like taking a single rudiment and splitting uh you know putting it around the kit in many many different ways so a lot of fun material that i haven't released yet but i think what's going to really add value to the whole thing is that I did this project with Mark Wessels where Mark is the webmaster for Vic Firth and Mark wrote uh, a great book called Fresh Approach to Drum Drum Set which is designed, he spent five years writing this thing and it's designed to be the best uh, foundational fundamental book to get you from here's how you hold a stick all the way up into independence Afro-Cuban, Brazilian uh, you know, basically all the things that I can think of that you need for a really good foundation to go in any direction you want. So Mark asked me to do the video lessons to, to accompany the book. So we did, and we did it a little while ago and, and it's, you know, you can buy them as downloads from Mark's site, but so Mark is going to allow me to use these to populate my site. So mm-hmm. I'll have an entire program from here's how you hold a stick all the way up into um, independence and, and, you know, different styles and, uh, how, and everything all the whole way teaches you how to read, how to play along and teaches you different, you know, technical things that you're going to need to know. But, but it really is a complete program to, to develop a strong foundation. So that's, yeah. So right away, that's going to be up. That's all. That's, 34 lessons and it's about nine hours of material. Yeah. 
and it's really well put together. Everything ends with a chart and a, and a, and a play along. So, um, so it's really, really cool. So that is going to be there. And I'm going to be suggesting to people to start at that, you know, from, from the beginning, but of course, you know, people learn in different ways. So a lot of people are going to say, Oh, I don't want to start with that. I already know all that stuff. And that's cool. So, you know, people, people will be looking at, um, say the blush and, you know, the way I describe it as being a, you know, a flam accent all off the left hand with a diddle in the middle, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. So somebody might get into that and say, Oh, wait a minute, I'm having trouble with, you know, playing this flam accent well underneath each one of the new videos i'm gonna have if you're you know if you if you are having any trouble at all with this here are the foundational videos in fresh approach to drum set you need to go check out this video uh and this will help you get to this point right so it's going to be front engineered backwards engineered and then i'm also going to do video lessons for the fresh approach to snare drum as well so people can uh, go through that because I'm going to be doing things. Some of the, the lessons that I haven't filmed yet will be working on some of the Charles Wilcox and stuff, uh, how Kenny Washington showed me how to practice that stuff to develop finesse and control, and but also how you can take certain elements of the Wilcox and stuff, like Philly Joe would take it and turn it into vocabulary. So we're going to do things like this. And then, of course, you know, well, if you're not to this level yet where you can play this Wilcox and stuff, let it go to Fresh Burst to Snare Drum. Right, and, right, right. you know, it's a this lesson is, you know, this is the lesson on the on the um, the three-stroke rough, and that's what we're dealing with here. And so so I'm, I'm really excited because already once we launch, there's going to be tons of material, but we're going to keep adding to it. And, and it's, I'm trying to make it so that it's going to be it's going to be really beneficial to drummers at every level. So beginner all the way up to whatever level you're at. Right. So, you know, of course, focusing on a lot of my approach and what I do, but also all the foundational stuff will be up there too. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited because, you know, that to have all that available is going to, be, I think is going to be really, it's going to be really valuable to people. So when are you expecting to launch that? Uh, sometime about six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been working on it for months and we keep saying, okay, you know, we're almost there. But we're we're really almost there now. So um, it's going to be any minute now. And then people will be able to go to stantonmore.com and it'll all be up there. So we're redesigning my whole website as well. So just go to stantonmore.com and there'll be information about it. Um, any day now and nice. then it'll be it'll be live any day nice so let's dig into the other stuff you got going on because you know you, you always have 87 different things going on yeah so let's talk about the drum camp coming up yeah well i'm doing doing the this this will be the third one but it's the second one in new orleans mm-hmm. and our guest this year is we're gonna have george porter jr That's awesome come by and he's gonna we're gonna do a master class with him where we're going to play some songs, you know, and we're going to have uh, David Torkanowski, my piano player, uh, is going to uh, play as well. David has played with the Meters, and he's played with all kinds of uh, people as well. So, so David is, you know, very versed in the whole funk uh, thing. In addition to being my piano player and my piano trio, so right. 
And, you know, he's a he's pretty much a, a New Orleans legend himself as well, even though his name may not be as recognizable as George Porter, but he's definitely uh, one of the cats in New Orleans. Sure. So, so we're going to have those guys, and we're going to do a master class where we're going to play, answer questions, all these types of things, and then give people a chance to play with these guys as well. Then we're going to do a concert later that evening where the public, it's going to be open to the public. And so these people will be able to play and sit in with George Porter Jr. and David Torganowski in front of a live audience. That's awesome. All right. So say yeah. I, say I sign up for the, I sign up for the drum camp. Walk me through like what that, what that weekend looks like. Yeah. Well, we start, I like to start the camp with, um, we, we learn, we learn about five meters tunes in like the first session. So like the first, before the first break, So like in the first hour and 45 minutes, I show everybody like with a, with a right, left, right, left, right, left, just the simplest back and forth, um, you know, right, left, right, left sticking. It's about as straightforward as you get. So with that, we, we start off going through how to get that in between straight and swing, how to play in between the cracks. And then I show you how just doing that right, left, right, left back, uh, back and forth sticking, it leads to five of Zig's well-known grooves. Then I show how once you understand the foundation of that, that it morphs into, you can morph that right, left, right, left sticking into five of these Zig things that people have heard, but they don't always necessarily understand exactly how it works. So even Sissy Strut is all right, left, right, left, right, left on the hi-hat with two hands. So a lot of people don't understand oh. that. So we start off with that and then we get into all kinds of things, you know, stickings and grooves and I give people a chance to come up and play and we play along to records. Um, so I do a lot of teaching people, uh, you know, things that are on the records, but then also how to take those things and turn them into their own things as well. So right. how to get creative with these things. So it's, it's just a lot of fun and it's great in the camp because everybody's got a practice kit. Everybody can play along with me. And I can really take the time and spend time playing these things and having people play it with me and showing people how to develop these things, how to put in the time, how to, you know, make these things become second nature over time. Mm So a lot of times, you know, you only have like an hour and a half in a clinic or masterclass usually. So you really kind of have to just present the material and then move on. But with this, it gives me a chance to hands-on actually work with people and actually develop these things, play together for, you know, several minutes on a single idea and have everybody playing together. And then, you know, everybody starts to become buddies throughout the course of it. And it's, you know, three-day camp. And then at the end of it, we all get to play with George Porter, you know? (laughs) So, you know, last year I had the Soul Rebels and this year I'm having, you know, the bass player for the meters. That's pretty cool. It is awesome. I think it's going to be epic. And I guess you do you typically have Johnny Vidakovich there with you? Yep, Johnny's yeah. going to be there. He's going to be there to teach uh, private lessons. Nice. So Johnny's going to be around teaching private lessons. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tons of fun. And what's the dates of that? The dates are December uh, five, six, seven. Five, Let me six, make six. sure that. Uh, yep, December five, six, seven. Friday, five, Saturday, six, Sunday. Okay, and I'll link to I'll link to that. Uh, on the show notes for this for this interview as well, so that everybody okay, can check cool. that out, so they can so they can get to that. Um, all right, so 
you got the drum camp, you got the online school happening, and you also just released a piano trio record um, called Conversations. Let's talk about that record a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I just got to a point, you know, I did Groove Alchemy, and I've spent about five years working on that and shedding all that stuff and transcribing everything and getting to the point where I felt comfortable playing all that stuff. Because, you know, of course, I've been checking out funk forever, but I never really transcribed and tried to learn some of the classic stuff note for note, you know? And so I, that took a long time to like really develop all that and, and get it to where I could play all that stuff. Cause that's and not then, an easy thing to do, man. To like no, figure no, all that to, out and then try It's one thing to play, but then like to figure it out and then play it for real and write it out and all that. Yeah, exactly. And, but the, the idea of the book wasn't just to like document the, the funk stuff because that's been done before, but to get inside the creative processes that these guys went through and, how, you know, one, they took one element from one guy and one element from another guy and combined it and came up with their, their, their type of thing. Like, um, you know, Clyde Stubblefield would take the open hi-hat from Melvin Parker, and then he would take some of the chatter notes from Clayton Filiaw before him, and then take a displaced backbeat from that was Filiaw as well, you know, mm-hmm. and take these things and, and make them into his own thing. So, you know, things like uh, I Got the Feeling or um, Mother, Mother Popcorn mm-hmm. or even Cold Sweat, you know, as brilliant and masterful as those things are, Kyle, I mean, Kyle, Clyde dev- developed those things by checking out the guys who came before him. So I try to point all those things out. And then once we understand that, then once we absorb some of Clyde and some of Jabo, then we can take those guys and and mix them together, and then um, and then put it in, make our own grooves out of that, and then do things like feel juxtapositions, where you can juxtapose a different feel on top of it, like you know slow it down and play it with a feel of zig. So you're mixing Clyde and Jabo and then playing it with the feel of zig, mm-hmm. and then put tone juxtapositions where you can play it on a high pitched um, bebop kit, and you know make it sound that way where you're playing a mix between the notes of Clyde and Jabo with the feel of Zig on a bebop kit. That's super cool. But then you juxtapose those tones and then uh, play all this, exactly what I just said, but play it on, on like a bottom kit. And, you know, so just trying to jumpstart the creative processes. So I went through all that and I got to, I got to interrupt you real quick because I have a question about that because Uh This isn't the first time I've ever heard you talk about doing this kind of stuff. Like I remember um, when we were in Philly, you were kind of going through all the brushwork and you were saying, okay, this is like the Philly Joe thing. And then this is Elvin. I took this and I did this and I mixed it with this and I did this and then I got this. And then I took that and mixed it with somebody else and got this. How do you suggest that people start that creative process? Because for you, you've been doing it for so long. You're like, well, it's just second nature. That's what I do. But how do you how do you suggest people start to go down that road who have no idea how to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pick one thing, you know, pick one thing to learn it and start working on it and learning it, and then and then pick another thing, you know. So, like, pick a pick a Philly Joe Jones song uh, that he played on, and pick you know, pick one of his just pick, you know, start easy. Pick mm-hmm. like a one four, you know, like listen to a tune where he's playing fours and just pick one where 
you think, okay, I think I can transcribe that and transcribe that. And then maybe find like four bars of Elvin and pick that. And, and then, you know, try to, try to transcribe those four bars and then pick one thing. Like it could just be the smackle that Philly Doe does. Right. Or, you know, one thing that Elvin does, like, you know, the way that he plays that. I mean, if I had it on a kit, I'd show you. But just take one thing from Elvin, one thing from Philly Joe. After you learn it note for note, that's cool. But then just pick one thing and, and then experiment with it. Slack on, slack on, boom, ticket 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 you know, mm-hmm. so just start pick one thing from one guy, one thing from another guy, and start improvising with it. And you can start small. You know, it could be the simplest idea and just make music out of it. You know, right? You can make you can make a whole solo out of sprackle, right? Sprackle, sprackle, boom, sprackle, sprack, 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 sprackle, sprackle. Right. I mean, you know, it's right. like just learn how to get creative with that one thing, and then. And then add one thing to that, you know, it's all this stuff starts small. It seems overwhelming when you, maybe when I'm talking about it. Um, well, it is a like, little, that's why I want to boil it, it so down long. for listeners, because you, like I said, you have been doing it for so long and it's just, you're like, well, yeah, that's just, that's how you do it. But, you know, starting down that road, I'm sure, uh, you know, took you a little while to start really figuring out that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, sometimes you need to, you there sometimes it's it could be even daunting to you know i'm saying pick four bars of philly joe and transcribe it well maybe that's like a little bit above some people's uh head so maybe go you know go online there's tons of stuff online and and find where somebody transcribed philly joe already or like what the john riley books right Mm -hmm. and then and then check it out where it's already been written out you know or check out um, just go to something like Drummer World, you know, and just just pick one of the little videos. Okay, I've always wanted to learn something by Steve Gatt. All right, so cool. I'm gonna watch this here, and then they slow it down, and they and they put the, the transcription underneath some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I've learned stuff that way. I mean, and you just each day you're like, okay, I'm gonna learn something new, and you just you know pick something. And and eventually it starts to accumulate. <laughs> right, right, right. I got you. So you went through all that stuff with the with the funk stuff. You started going back, checking out all the Clyde stuff. The job was right. Done, I kind of got yeah. I kind of started getting sidetracked on that. So no, I was um, digging it though. So I was like, let's let's keep talking about it because it's valuable. Right. Well, well, my point that I was getting to was that I I felt like I put myself through a, a doctoral program in funk drumming and groove drumming with, with groove alchemy. So once I got done with that, I was like, okay, what's next? And decided I, re- I kind of wanted to do that with the jazz side of my playing as well. And not necessarily write a book on it, but definitely approach it in that way of like, okay, let's really dig into this stuff. So I, I started digging into it and I was like, okay, well, I, I should create an outlet for myself to play this stuff. So let me start a piano trio, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought about guys that I would be like-minded, um, who would, you know, we'd have a lot of, uh, mutual points of reference. So with David Torkinowski and, and Jim Singleton, you know, they had played with Johnny Vodakovich for years. Right. And I knew that, you know, they could, we could really play jazz, but they could also play all the street beat stuff and they could also, you know, we could dip into the funk stuff 
So with these guys, I really felt like we'd we'd all be on the same page, you know, mm-hmm. from the beginning, and and we have been. So I started doing that and recording it every week, and then uh, at Snug Harbor. So whenever I could do it at Snug, and then um, so we started doing that, and then started recording every week and I would listen to it through the week and figure out what I needed to improve on. And I come back and, you know, so we would rehearse, we would try to rehearse every week, play the gig, I'd record it and then figure out what needed work and Mm -hmm. then get into rehearsal the next week. So it was like this workshop for myself. So I did that for around two years or so. And then started getting to the point where I felt like, okay, cool. We can, we can go in and record with this now. So, and then I didn't want to just, put it on a label and, in the, you know, uh, how, uh, how people had been doing it for years. I wanted to do the crowdsourcing thing. So we did Indiegogo and crowdsourced it and it was a successful campaign. It was great. Loved it. And, uh, and reached our goal and, and, you know, so funded the record that way. And so that was exciting, you know, and, and so now the record's out and now we're starting to, to get out there. And with this, I very deliberately wanted to approach this differently. I didn't want to just get in a van and go tour. I wanted to go to, you know, cities that I really uh, want to visit and spend, you know, two to five days uh, playing, you know, these clubs that, that, uh, that make sense to play. So we Mm -hmm. just did two nights at the blue note Mm -hmm. in New York. And that was great. So now at the end of this month, I'm going for um, four nights at the cotton club in Tokyo. Nice. And I'll, I'll be doing three nights plus a festival in, in Paris, uh, three nights at, at um, Duke de Lombard, and uh, that's coming up in December. And then we've got you know, two nights in Seattle at Jazz Alley. So it's really starting to to pick up. So I recently trans- transitioned and had Galactic's management take up. We got new management um, um, almost two years ago. Mm. And then... So I had uh, our manager take over as my manager, and then we also had my my booking agent take over as my booking uh, my booking agent for my my solo stuff. So I told them what the strategy was, and they've just taken the bulls the bull by the horns, and it's great because they know when my holes are going to be in my sure. galactic schedule. You know, they know way further ahead of the game than I do, so they can start filling in those holes with these these, you know, multiple night runs that I want to do. So it's great. I really dig it being in the same place for several days and being able to play every night. Right. And it's really, it's a model that I've been wanting to do for a while. And now it's working out. It's great. Good. Good. And would you, before uh, this whole process, would you have considered yourself a, a heavy jazz guy or no? No, not, not necessarily, not in the way that, that I'd actually done anything to warrant that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always been checking out jazz, shedding jazz. Uh, it's always informed my playing. And, you know, I've always been playing gigs here and there in that realm, but never in a public eye, you know? Right. So now I've, I've gotten out there and people are starting to see me in that light now a little bit more. And, you know, I mean, I don't think of myself as like a heavy jazz guy now. I just think of myself as, you know, a drummer who likes to play all kinds of different types of music. Sure. But for the jazz thing, you know, to tackle that, I wanted to spend some time with it and kind of get it to a level where I felt like it was 
you know, ready to see the light of day. <laughs> so, right. so I've been doing that. And of course, you know, it's, it's not like you've, it's not like I've arrived at any, anywhere. I, I feel like I can allow the public, um, in on what I've been working on and continue to work on it, you know? Right. And the thing that I want to stress about this whole thing, about you talking about this and talking about Groove Alchemy, talking about how you developed the brushwork, every single time you told one of those stories, you said, you know, for several years I worked on the brushwork. For several years I worked on the Groove Alchemy stuff. For several years I worked on the jazz stuff. And it speaks volumes to the listeners so that they know that, you know, these things don't happen in two weeks, three weeks of just like shedding and then it's, it's good to go. And uh, someone at, at your level is still taking years to develop things. And you know, that speaks volumes to, for the listeners. I want them to heed that advice of, listen, you gotta, you gotta spend some time doing this stuff. You can't just dive into it and put it out there and think that it's going to just be golden, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Man. Um, yeah. I mean, and these are, you know, these are heavy topics. I mean, or heavy, you know, um, areas and yeah I mean to, to really get serious about you know any of these areas you really need to dedicate some time and effort into right. it you know right I gotta tell you when the uh, when you were when you came out with this jazz tree I'm getting married in May and uh and I'm talking to my fiance and she's like, who do you, we, I was like, we need a kick-ass jazz band. I was like, man, we should just get the Stantmore trio to play this jazz band. <laughs> and she's like, he's not going to come play your wedding. I'm like, I know. I'm just saying it would be, it would be awesome to have. Yeah. So well, if you're, ever, if you're in the area, man, let me know and you could swing by and play some jazz. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I know, you know, it's like, I don't want you to play a wedding gig, but I figured I'll bring it up. Yeah. Uh, so so what do we got happening in the future man what are you what are you looking forward to in the future what's on the list because i know you've reached a lot of your goals and i i know that you still have some goals so what are you looking forward to in the future yeah well you know doing another trio record uh is going to be fun haven't started thinking about it yet but uh, what i'm looking forward to is you know this touring that we're doing coming up um in all these great different cities so i'm looking forward to that hoping to get on some of the European jazz festivals uh, with this trio and then continuing to do a few more records with this. But then Galactic's got a new record coming out uh, and next year, you know, in the early part of next year, we have a few uh, really cool things in the works for next year that we're excited about. Things I can't really talk about yet. but right. So those things are cool. Getting this this website is going to take up a lot of my time because there's going to be a lot of interaction. There's going to be monthly uh, live chats and people are going to be able to put up their own lessons for my review and and uh, there's going to you know, there's going to be a lot of interaction with that. Beat of the month, people will be able to put up their own little 15 second uh, beat of the month thing that um, that they'll put up a beat of the month and then I'll be able to play my version of it nice. and put it up alongside theirs. And so it's going to be, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I'm going to have to stay on top of. So that's going to be in the future, uh, you know, any day now. Good, good. Well, you seem to always have, uh, you see, I feel like you seem, you have more time than everybody else. You have like 48 hours in a day somehow or something. Shoot, I, I wish, man, <laughs> I wish. Well, you're you're doing a hell of a job at it, man, and, and balancing balancing all this stuff. And I know that you're super busy, and I appreciate you taking all this time to to chat with me today. And the interview that we did a year ago that that got bagged. So yeah, uh, 
you you've really uh, you've really spent a lot of time with me, man, and I, I do appreciate it. And I don't want you to think that 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 I take that lightly because I know how busy you are and how important your time is. Yeah, no sweat, man. Well, I'm glad we could chat again and uh, let me know when everything's live and and I'll check it out. I definitely will, and uh, yeah, I'll be. Uh, I guess I'll probably see, I'll see you in January at Nam. So okay, beautiful. Good deal, man. Thank you again, and uh, I'll I'll be talking to you soon. All right, buddy. All Talk right. to you soon. Thanks, brother. All right, man. See you. See you. So there you have it, the one and only Stanton Moore with a ton, a ton, a ton of knowledge. And do yourself a favor, check out StantonMoore.com. All his information's on there. He's always on tour. So if you haven't seen Stanton Moore live yet, there's no excuse because he's always on the road with Galactic or Dragon Smoker or his trio or, you know, he's always on tour with somebody. So definitely do yourself a favor, check him out. Go to StantonMoore.com to learn more about his drum camp, his online school, and where and when he is touring. Also, if you want to learn how to market yourself like a professional and get more exposure and more gigs and more followers, do yourself a favor, check out drummersresource.com forward slash register to learn all about my free webinar that I do every about every two weeks, and it's 100% free. It's about an hour long of training on how to get your online presence up to a professional level. And there's another one happened on December 4th, but there's always one happening like every two weeks. So check that out, drummersresource.com forward slash register. And until the next podcast, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Keep drumming and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. <laughs>